Okay, so... I have this concept. I've been brainstorming a lot of concepts about what I'm dealing with. And I I don't really know what is what is the most true or is the a hundred percent truth because, you know, I feel that this is, you know, the point that I don't know really what is the truth. I have to fight really hard to try and focus on, you know, details and facts. And still, I don't know for a fact what is what are the facts. Because just a little backstory really quick. I talked about this before, but um, in 2020, or maybe it was 2019, God came to me. And he gave me the spirit of wisdom and discernment. And he told me that, think as big as I could possibly think. And then think bigger than that. It's going to be so much bigger than I can ever think or imagine what he's giving me. And he said he was giving me the spirit of wisdom and discernment. But that was to exercise it correctly. And that, you know, pretty soon was going to come a time where it was going to start to be exercised correctly. But right now, you know, I just have it, you know. And it's kind of a... I believe it was an introduction in a way where it's like I'm being introduced to, you know, what it's like to not use it correctly or exercise it correctly as opposed to what it's like when you actually have, you know, things you need it for. You have fights that you're fighting with it. You know, I know that this all the time, even when I am just sleeping or even when I'm not, you know, work. It seems like it's seemingly like I'm not working hard or I'm being lazy I'm still exercising the spirit of wisdom and, and, and discernment correctly all the time now because I'm just in that season. But at first I wasn't. So all I know is like, you know, before, excuse me, before he just told me that, you know, think bigger and that. He gave me the spirit of wisdom and discernment and that, you know, things are about to get rolling. That's what God was showing me. That's what God had done in my life. And I remember that feeling. And I just think back on it like, man, good times when things and times were easier. You know, the fact that I have to exercise the spirit of wisdom and discernment all day, every day. It's like me when I battle between whether this is the promise that God has given me or this is a, you know, snare of the devil or is this the right place to be in or is this, you know, just something that is prolonging and hindering me from my destiny, everything. So I'm noticing different concepts. So I was watching Boondocks, and I know that, you know, God told me not to watch these shows or waste my time on this entertainment TV, but I always use it, you know, correctly. I always, whenever I'm wasting my time on these things or whatever, you know, I still, you know, manage it. Because 
what I'm finding is that, you know, I don't have, nothing has to be a waste. Nothing has to be a waste of time. Not when I dream, not when I sleep, not when I'm eating, not when I am doing, sitting around doing nothing. I'm always doing something. As long as I'm exercising my mind, you know, and reaching towards God and doing everything that I can to figure out the situation I'm in and figure out next steps, nothing has to be a waste of time. Not even watching a TV show. So I was watching Boondocks and it was an episode about my Dukes. And, you know... I know that the episode is supposed to be a, you know, a rag on Tyler Perry. But what I was more concerned with is what they called it. They said this is some sort of homo Christian theater cult. And how they had the black lady who was like a robot and she would say, I love Jesus. And I don't deal with Ice Cube and I don't talk to my family no more. This is my family now. And she was like hypnotized and like, I know which lady they are portraying. I know they are portraying the dark skin, you know, chunky lady that is in all the plays and mostly all the movies. I know that they, that's the lady that they are portraying. Now... I noticed a pattern in a few of the characters that is really consistent with the what I've been dealing with in my life. You know, the lady who was like very traumatized. Now, I won't say traumatized, more like hypnotized, zombie-like, where she was very careful to say only the right things at all times. I felt that that was after a series of conditioning and... And, like, just a series of conditioning where she would be harmed or guilt-tripped or whatever it is that they were using on her in order to get her to only say certain things to certain people at all times. Because maybe, I was thinking to myself, maybe she's more of a, you know, free spirit where, not free spirit, but just like one of those women who gossip, maybe. Maybe she's one of the church Christian people who gossip, would normally gossip. And maybe she said one too many things, one too many times. And so now they have her, you know, trained to to the fact that, to the point where she only says, you know, a handful of things to anybody she talks to at all times, no matter where she's at. And the what, what I got from that is she never leaves that place. She never gets to see her family. She never gets to talk to anybody. Why would they keep her so... Why would they keep her on such a tight leash like that? Because she knows too much. She's seen too much. And what she might divulge would keep her from her job, make her lose her job or her money or her livelihood, or they might actually harm her because of what she knows. So maybe I'm jumping the gun, but I doubt it. And then like the, you know, the fact that he said, Jesus came to me. He told me to get in a dress and 
how every single time he wants somebody to do something, he said, this is what Jesus wants for you. And every time he wants to justify his toxic or narcissistic or obviously sinful devil, satanic behavior, he says, Jesus, he brings up Jesus. And he said, this is what Jesus wants. This is how Jesus says it. This is what Jesus, you know, is making. This is what Jesus has brought to me. You have to believe, you know. And it's like wanting him to, I noticed a few things. And then he said he wanted him to renounce Ice Cube. I know that was a joke, but it's just the fact that he wanted him to renounce someone. So it kind of brought to me to my attention. And when I'm comparing it to my situation, we all have our own devils that we are battling. Like it's Satan all the same. But Satan, there's a little bit of Satan in all of us because there's a little bit of sin in all of us. So, you know, he, he wants to, he wants him to renounce his devil. It's cult-like. It's very cult-like. And of course, that's the point of the show, you know. He makes him get down on his knees, accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and renounce all these things that seemingly have absolutely nothing to do with a real relationship with God. And it's cult-like. And Robert knows that, but he just wants to be a superstar. And this is seemingly the situation I find myself in right now. Like, I know what what it feels like to feel like you can only say a handful of things to certain people at all times. Because I've been out in this world and I've been feeling like I'm crying out for help. Like I'm screaming at the top of my lungs and nobody sees that anything is wrong with me. Like nobody helps me. And then when I try and ask or reach out for help, everybody is being used. When I try and get real help, everybody is being used. Everybody is under the control or seemingly involved with what's going on. I went to a church. I tried to find a pastor and more church individuals to try and help me with this, only to find that they were all involved as well. Each and every single last one of them. But I was told that before I even went to the church, but I still tried and gave it a chance. No, that does not mean give up. I can go home. I can find a church. I can try this again. I was thinking about doing it, but I realized that No matter where you go or where you are, they have different ways of controlling the people around you and around in the world. So with my home pastor, I noticed that they have control. I feel like they have, you know, lied to my home pastor in a way. You might say, how would you know if you haven't went home yet? That's what I'm saying. Everybody's involved. So, well, he wasn't my permanent pastor, but he was somebody that I used to you know, watch sermons, and he kind of was like, he almost like the biggest pastor in our in my hometown. But all I know is, you know, I would, for a while, I was watching his sermons, and I was trying to, you know, see if I could reach out, go home, you know, go to that church every Sunday, you know, keep it simple. I don't have to have everything. I don't have to accomplish you know, whatever it is that I feel like I need to accomplish. Because I got to a point where it was so overwhelming and it was so much, so, so much pressure on me. I felt like I don't care if I fail. 
I don't care. I just want to survive. I just want to keep my faith. I just want to survive this, you know, with God. But I do want, I don't want to disappoint God. I don't want to disappoint him. So what I did was I was watching my pastor's sermons every chance I got. Or my hometown pastor's sermons every chance that I got. As I watched his sermons, I was consulting with God about his words. And it felt like God was saying to me where he stood with him. The information that God gave me about him is no way that I could have known that on my own. I know it's definitely from God. I know that's real information. But sometimes I wonder if it's Satan because, you know, sometimes the stuff that I get is so heavy. It's like, did I really need to know that? Or, you know... Just like, you know, when you realize how real it is, then you wonder if you could ever make it. If this is my pastor and I'm I'm supposed to be, you know, led by his example, then, man, I feel like I don't have a chance. Nobody's perfect. We're all human. This is why you cannot idolize anybody. And you have to have your own relationship personally with God. You cannot let anybody around you dictate or, you know, be be your, you know, you can't hold on to anybody so tight in order to somehow, you know, like you, you have to have your own relationship with God. Don't let anybody be your middleman. You don't need a middleman with God. So... I noticed that a while ago, but I was just wondering, like, I was just giving it the thought. I was just giving it the chance that maybe, you know, things have gone too far. Maybe I've been sucked into some weird type cult thing. So many times on so many different levels, I have truly considered cult like this is cult like behavior. But. I can't escape it. Everywhere that I go, everything that I try and do, it seems like they are in control of. And then they start to show me different things in the spirit that shows me that, you know, if I wound up going this way or doing things this way, it's not that I've escaped it or escaped them, but it's just that I have, you know, chosen to ignore these things that have been revealed to me. And it's like, okay. So let me fight as hard as I can to get completely out of it and completely be released and free from it first. And then when I cannot fight anymore, you know, it's going to kill me. But I guess I would just have to ignore the things around me. I would just have to ignore them because it feels very cult-like. And I can't imagine being controlled or sucked into a cult for the rest of my life, dying and going to hell. And God says to me, it's because you are in a cult the entire time. And I had no clue. I had no clue. I thought I was worshiping God. I thought I was doing God's work. I thought I was an angel. And I died and went to hell because, of course, there were so many people around me with so many satanic ties that they actually had me believe in this stuff. And it was actually cult. You know, it was actually a cult. These were cult beliefs. 
so I, I noticed different things and it kills me. It kills me because like I want to help people because I know that when it comes down to it, if I would, if I'm just selfish, if I just, if I would just be selfish, if I would just not care about nobody but myself, if I would just say, I don't care, you know, I want to make me happy. I need to be free. I need peace. And I just completely abandoned everybody around me and did not look back. I would be fine. So why not do that? Because I can't. I can, but it feels that I can't because I feel like God has revealed this to me for a reason. Maybe he revealed it to them, but they didn't care. They didn't do anything about it. Maybe they didn't try, or if they did try, maybe they did not succeed. So maybe it's up to me to do something about it. So maybe I should do my best to do everything that I can, you know? But, like, should I die in the process of doing everything that I can? Should I really die? If this is really God, he's shown me so many different things about this situation that just aren't right. That just is not right. But I stick by my family because I say, you know, I can't, I, I, I should just do everything that I can to stick to what I came here with. The core beliefs of God that I came here with, the love that I came here with, the things that I came with, I should hold on to, right? As long as possible, fight for. Because even if it feels like they are changing and things are changing around me, the only thing, what I've been taught growing up and what it feels like common sense is, street knowledge and book knowledge is, you know, this is what you knew. This is what you've been knowing your whole life. This been the same your whole life, but now this is different. So do you let go of what been the same your whole life? Or do you let go of this new belief? No matter how life-changing or, you know, seemingly, no matter how much it feels like it tears down everything you feel like you ever known, no matter what, just hang on to what you know. Because that's how you got through this whole time. Every time we ever had any issues, every time we ever had any real struggles in life where we thought we wasn't going to make it, we always made it through together. So, I fought so hard to not let go. I'm fighting so hard to not let go of what I know. What's got me up to this point, what's gotten me to this age, the reason why I am 20 for about to be 25 years old and I didn't know if I would even see it past 18. The reason why I'm still alive today is because of this family, because of this love, because of them. For real, for real. Regardless of everything else that seems like is going on right now. So I stayed where I was and I fought and I suffered and I endured through everything and I fought for my family and it proved true because God delivered my sister and he showed me that we were fighting a Satan that was trying to tear our entire family apart. So I should know what's going on here. You know, it's the same guy yesterday, today, and forever. But why does it feel like I'm seeing a new side of him? Do I go back to what I was originally doing, even though God called me to this level and to this place in order to deliver my sister? 
How do I go back to what I was doing before when what I did here is what saved her life? I don't know what to do now. Do I go back now that her life is saved or do I stay here until God shows me that it's safe to be what to do what we were doing before? I don't know anymore because I don't want to let go of what I've been doing now because I feel that maybe God has trained me up until this point to get this stuff done so that I can beat whatever devil this is that is preying on my family. Or I can let it go, go back to how things were before, and I'm afraid that somebody might be left behind or that this devil might still be somewhere hiding in the creeks or the shadows waiting to prey on somebody else when my guard is down, when our guard is down, when we're not still on point praying all the time and getting it done. So we need to just get it done then. Let's just do it because I don't want to lose family. Satan came to me and said, you're not going to be able to save your brother, though. He didn't say anything about my sister. And then when it came time, I was able to deliver my sister. And that rung true to me like, oh, so what you are saying is I'm going to be able to save my sister, but I'm not going to be able to save my brother. No, we can't. No child left behind. We cannot leave nobody. We cannot let nobody go. Nobody is about to be. You know, forgotten about. Like, I don't want to go back to how things were before until until I know for a fact that we all safe in God again and good forever. Because this is not, this date and this devil that we're dealing with clearly is a part of my, you know, it's a part of my destiny. It's a part of my purpose. It's a part of my life. Clearly, it's something that God wants me to conquer and go through because otherwise I wouldn't be going through it. It's all by his divine purpose. But at the same time, this is not meant to stay. This is not a new lifestyle or a new way of life we're supposed to be taking on for the rest of our lives. No, we're supposed to conquer this like we've conquered everything else together as a family. No matter what we've gone through, no matter what we're going through, no matter what it looks like. But I've seen a vision of my future where I've abandoned my family. I've run from them because they have betrayed me so much that I cannot. It's no going back after that. So I see little signs everywhere where God is showing me like, the biggest battle that you're going to face right now is forgiveness and being able to look past these different character traits or attempts or assassination attempts from your jealous family members and loving them anyways and staying a family, not letting it tear you guys apart. Because the only way to conquer hate is with love. And the only way you're going to be able to beat this is by all of your family coming together and loving each other, regardless of what this devil plants in your head, regardless of what Satan tries to do to tear you guys apart. Stay together no matter what. That's the only way you have to accept whatever comes with them, no matter what they do, no matter what they are, no matter what they say, no matter what they've done. That's the only way. Forgive and forget. It's the only way. And... Okay, so that's the answer then. What's the issue? The issue is, if it were that easy, would it be a battle? 
My family is, you know, seemingly tempted by money, promises of selfish desires, and, you know, all against me, all against me wanting us to stay together, fighting me when I'm fighting for this, fighting for us, doing everything in their power to take me out, like for real, trying to get me to kill myself, for real trying to kill me. Like, not truly understanding how much of a permanent under decision that that is, thinking that it's a joke or that it's funny, laughing with these devils when they really truly try to sow calamity and discord. The devil comes to do nothing but steal, kill, and destroy. But they are saying to themselves, that's corny. Jesus is corny. Or nobody wants to have to be in their Bible all day. Nobody wants to have to pray all day. Nobody wants to have, wants to, have to live this saint-like lifestyle. Everybody's not built like that. And, you know, I think the only necessary thing that you have to be willing to do is accept, of course, Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Love your family no matter what. Forgive and forget. That's really, I feel like, the only things that have to happen. But I'm dealing with a bunch of selfish intent. A bunch of selfish intent. And uh, uh, it's feeling like a... Personal, personal, a personal need for acceptance of, from this world. That's what it's feeling like I'm dealing with a lot. You know, some more than others. But regardless, it's what I'm dealing with. It's what I'm battling. It's what we're going through. And I don't want this to tear our family apart. There's been a new individual introduced into this entire family situation. And it's this individual... Is trying to drag our whole family down the hill. If not, take one of take one of us off this world right now. And even had the audacity to try and get us to sacrifice each other. So they picked me to sacrifice, but it's all by God's divine, you know, purpose because He was never going to let me go. He was never going to let me die. He was never going to let them succeed at sacrificing me. And he was going to make sure he used me as a vessel to never accept any of their offers, to never accept any of their promises of whatever it is they're offering. You know, one day it's a hundred thousand dollars. Next day it's a million. Then it's two million. Then it's 20 million. Then it's, it's all kinds of numbers. And it's, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter what they're offering. Because God has shown me already that it's nothing. Money is nothing. It's nothing. The promises, the temptations, whatever it is that they're offering, it's not worth it. None of it is worth it for your family. Even though it's the same old family I've been with my whole life, it feels boring. It feels like, well, I can stand to lose them because, you know, either you've got this mindset where you feel like they'll always be there. Or you have this mindset where you feel like you've had them for long enough. And you're willing to give up. You know, these real relationships for these false promises. And it's it's really triggering because it's like, obviously, it's happened before. Obviously, it's been done. So you wonder if Satan will be able to conquer you or one of your family members. And if it's up to you, you're saying no. But what can you do when your whole family is fighting you on it? What can you do? The only thing that I can do is pray to God and pray that he, you know, 
reigns us all in and takes full control of all of our destinies, even when we feel like, you know, well, is in control of all our destinies always, of course, even when we feel like we know we want. He's been doing a great job of that so far, but not without hard work. So I guess I stress about the hard work. I stress about not getting it done. I stress about not being capable of getting it done. I stress about what that means if I'm not able to get it done. What does that mean if our family is, you know, tempted or pulled down the wrong path? Does God want us to have money? Is he preparing us to have money? Or is he showing us how we can't, why we can't have money because how we'll tear our entire family apart? Which one is it? Is God telling us that we have to choose right now between love or money forever? Or is he preparing a certain individual to be able to handle the money no matter what and everybody else around? You know, can they go with me? Because it feels like I've seen this vision of my future of them not there. And I get everything I ever wanted. But is that could, is that possibly Satan? Is Could that possibly be Satan? Am I really supposed to have that? I don't need money. I don't have to have that. I would choose my family in a second. Even if they'd never talk to me ever again, I still choose them over the money. I really would, you know? I know what's most important. But every single day, they prove to me that, like, I'm not worth it to them. Money is more important to them. That they rather had the money. So, I don't know if they're going to stop until they get that. I don't know if they plan on stopping until that's, that's a reality for them. How much can I take before they plan on stopping and realizing what's most important? It feels like nobody cares because I'm here, but when I'm gone, that's when everybody wants to wake up and realize what's truth what the truth was and always has been, what was most important. I'm not perfect. I've made my mistakes. I'm not saying that I am. But what I'm saying is that I see. I can see. I choose God. I choose this. I choose us. I choose my family. But my family got to choose me. What can I do when everybody want to run towards the money? Here comes some Satan dangling money over their head like sacrifice this person and you sitting up here trying to sacrifice me for money what can i do besides what i've been doing is praying and praying and praying and praying you do everything you can to sacrifice my prayer life to get in the way of my prayers to block everything that's keeping us protected what can i do and i'm wrong i'm wrong for you know, being frustrated about this, I'm wrong because, you know, I feel so strongly about it. I don't want to play. I don't want to laugh. I don't think it's a joke. I just want to cry all day about it because God has never shown up more in our life than I feel that he is now. But I don't want to say that because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Why would he be showing up more now? Then he's then he's ever shown up. That's in a way saying that God has changed. God has never changed. He's always ever present, omnipresent over us at all times. So that means that maybe I just see him more. Maybe I can hear him better. 
maybe I'm closer to him. But he's always been in the same position, dwelling above us at the same in the same way, always, our whole lives. And I know that when I look back on all the times we survived, the things we survived and we've made it through, we're still here on this earth. So I know that. Really, I know that. But it's like, it just feels so different right now. Everything feels so different right now. And what do you do when family secrets is being exposed? All the dirt everybody has done to each other is coming out. It's like so much so many bombs going off in so many different areas that's almost like there's no way I'm be there's no way we're gonna be able to stay together. There's no way we're gonna be able to stay together. And then what else then what do you do when God is exposing bloodline curses on your family and choosing you as a vessel to break these bloodline curses off of your family and create and generate generate generational wealth. Something that your family has never had until you. So how can you say what you should be doing or what you could go back to doing because maybe you can never go back to doing what you were doing before because this, what you were doing before was cursed. You're becoming free. God is setting you free and your entire family does not want to see that happen. What do you do by then? Because God is also saying to me, you know, that he's also saying to me, you know, That if I leave my family now and I allow time to go by without them, that I'm going to regret that. And I'm never going to be able to get that time back. And I think that that is the realest and most powerful and most important word out of everything I'm dealing with. I'm dealing with all this right now and it feels like it's like life threatening. It feels like it's, it's never, it feels like it's never going to get any better. It feels like the world is ending right now. It feels like nothing is more important than what I'm going through right now. And it feels like this is the worst thing in the world, but it can always be worse. It just doesn't. It feels like it's the worst thing anybody could ever deal with ever. And I'm not even being dramatic. I'm trying not to be. You know, if I am, I, I don't know. I don't know. But it is big. It is really big. It's not just an illusion of big. It really is big for real. Because it's the chance to break bloodline curses off your family and God tells you that he's tried to give the same chance to your mother and your father and they weren't able to do it so you worry if you're able to do it then you got family members who don't want to see it done just because it's you even though it will impact and affect them and their future children to grow up better to grow up with more to grow up without the same cycle repeated in their lives that's been happening in ours and in our mothers and in our grandparents and in their mothers and in their grandparents. I don't understand. Why wouldn't you want that? Why wouldn't you appreciate that? You know, but it's like crabs in a bucket. If I'm not getting out, you're not getting out. Even though you getting out can help contribute to us all getting out you're not getting out if I'm not getting out if it's not gonna be me it's not gonna be you and so it's gonna be nobody and we're all going to sink and God is saying sink or swim so I've been shown a vision that we make it through we prevail we win so what am I stressing about I'm stressing because 
if it weren't still a chance that we could lose, then they still wouldn't be attacking my family every single day right now. If we had already won, if the battle was won, then it would be won. We're still in a battle. We're still fighting every single day. And since we're still fighting every single day, that's what I'm stressing about. I wish that I could let it go and be like, hey, I don't have to worry about a thing. Everything's going to work out. But as soon as I do that, you know, it feels like another family member is life's in jeopardy. Or this happens, that happens, this is falling, that is falling. You know, all this stuff is happening. I don't know what to do. I'm seeing different things. When I was feeling like I was fighting really hard, excuse me, and it was about being Jesus' wife, I would start seeing a bunch of posts about Jesus' wife. Now that I'm seeing all of these posts, you know, I've had this vision about a future as a celebrity wife. And all these visions about being a celebrity wife and that being what this is about, you know, now I'm starting to see visions about God saying that my kingdom marriage is a celebrity. And now it's a lot of other people who are dealing, who are dealing with this or who have, who God has said this to. And it feels like, okay, so either this is really real because a lot of other people are getting the same thing from God all over the world or Satan is really working on such a mass level that cults are this popular. He's really trying to drag souls down at this much of a level. And then the rapture narrative. We're about to be raptured soon. Everybody's about, it's you know, it's about to be a rapture. Are you going? And visions of being raptured. And then all of this stuff happening, all these different people getting these saying words, and I haven't spoke to them. You know, they, they're halfway across the country or world, but they still getting the same messages. And, that, and I feel like that means that that's the same God. Or is it possible that Satan has that much of a hold on God's church, on the church? On the bride of Christ, so-called bride of Christ. And then it was the Trinity, and then it was... It's all these different things. It feels like cult-like beliefs. The Bible says what it says, but then all these different things start manifesting. It's like, I know that that is real. And then you're starting to find scriptures to support it. But everybody says that, you know, the Bible is understood differently by everybody. You have to consult with God for your words. And what happens when you start consulting with God and the enemy starts twisting and perverting the words of God, like the Bible says he will do. And it gets hard to discern whether this is God or this is Satan. What happens then? It's frustrating. But one thing that God has shown me is that, you know, When I'm praying, I'm attacked. And at first I was praying in a secret place and and I was always able to be in God's presence. But now when I pray, I can't be in his presence. I have to fight to be in his presence. And it's like, it's what you believe. Just stop believing that stuff. All you have to do is stop believing that stuff and just let, let life, let go, let God just be free. Just let life be what it is. That's really all you're missing. Go off and live your life and be free. As long as you have a relationship with God, you're doing great. 
And God is showing me a different thing, something different. Like, no, living that kind of lifestyle and having that sort of mindset or that sort of relaxed type attitude about him is what's dragging people's soul down the hill fast. He wants me to be intentional about my growth and applying his word to my life and becoming better every single day, coming out of my sinful lifestyle and my past and being transformed by his word. He wants me to be more like him. I can't be relaxed and say, oh, I'm reading my Bible. At least I'm reading it. At least I am considering God. You know, at least I believe in God. No, that's not what got me here to this point. If I said at least I believe in God and didn't actually do any work, what would have happened to my family? I wouldn't know. It's not even just about, you know, him saving my family's life. That's just the biggest thing that I've seemingly noticed. He's also shown me my purpose and my destiny. He's also breaking strongholds off of my life. He's freed me of demons. It's so much stuff that God is doing. What would have happened if I would have decided that whatever level I was at was good enough? I would have never gotten here. That would have I would have never gotten that. This is important, but how do I know that I'm supposed to keep going on in this matter? Because it feels like I'm running at a pace that can't be kept up. It's an unrealistic pace, but I don't want to go back to that pace because is that pace disappointing to God? Then it's like, God loves you. God knows who you are. He's going to love you no matter what pace you're you're moving at. No matter what pace you're going at, God's always going to be there. But whenever I'm going at that pace, I hear the devil laughing at me. And the only time they get him, I get him to shut up is when I start fighting really hard for God. That's when God responds as well. So how can you say that, how can anybody say that operating like that is good? Operating like that is okay. When God doesn't even respond or answer my prayers when I'm operating like that. But when I operate like this, all my prayers are being answered directly and immediately. So I know what I'm really supposed to be doing. It just feels like it's impossible to keep up. How does God really expect for me to keep that up? But it's like, if you want your prayers answered, then you'll keep that up. How? I don't know. But I just wanted to talk about how it feels like a lot of these different narratives that's being pushed throughout this journey, I'm seeing a lot of other people dealing with too. People just start popping up talking about the different things they're dealing with. Kingdom marriages with celebrities, being married to Jesus Christ, being a bride of Christ, the Trinity, rapture. All these different people talking about these different things. And it's like, it's feeling like it's making it more real for me. But God has told me time and time again to come completely out of this world and stop paying attention to what's going on in social media. But how social media has saved my life so many different times because of the information of people that's on there that is giving me more information about what I'm going through that's keeping me here on this earth. And I know that that's by God's design as well. Because even though he told me to stay off of social media, even though he told me what I needed to do, that day I picked up social media. I got on I got on social media and I heard an encouraging word about somebody that kept me going another day. So that's by God's design as well. So it's like everything happens for a reason. And he's shown me that. But it's like 
Yet still, I feel so convicted when I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. But one thing he has said to me, it's not that anything is the wrong thing to do or have. Yes, there's sin in this world, but it's about what you put into it. When you are idolizing these things over God, that's the real issue. It's not about this is bad, Apple iPhones are bad, social media is bad, um, TV is bad, rappers are bad, music is bad. It's not about that stuff. It's about what you're putting into it. When you're idolizing these things over God himself, when you don't have God as the first and foremost in your life, that's what it's about. You can do any and everything in this world that you want as long as you are glorifying God's name correctly. Not any and everything. Of course, you know, murder and all this other stuff is, you know, simple. It's bad. But, I don't know. I wish that I could say, okay, I get it now. Everything's fine. You know, I'm just going to go hug my family and appreciate what I have and appreciate another day and be grateful. But I can go hug my family. I can go appreciate what I have. I can be grateful. And tomorrow, it's going to be the same fight. It's going to be the same devil trying to tear our family apart. It's going to be the same things I'm facing. Like, you think I didn't try and hug my family and show my family that I love them and do everything that I can in the process of them trying to sacrifice me every single day? You think I wasn't intentional about showing them that I'm here for them, that I choose them, that, you know, I'm not allowing Satan to tempt me. They laughed in my face. They say, you stupid. I don't know why you're doing that. Because we choose Satan. And they try to get me to choose Satan. And they... And they even, you know, attack me more for not choosing Satan. And choosing them. Fought me more. Fought me harder for choosing them. If it were simple enough just to go hug them and tell them I love them, we'd be done. Like, this is what Satan wants. He wants to tear my family apart. I wish it was simple, but it's not. I wish I could take other people's advice, but I can't. I do know one thing, though. God loves us all. He loves us. No matter what happens, it's worth it for God. It is. He showed me that more than anything because out of all the things I could have done, I'm seeing why it was such a blessing that I didn't. I'm seeing that from my perspective and theirs. The people who did choose Satan, I'm seeing what they going through and why that was all a lie and they got nothing out of it, tricked and played. And me not choosing Satan, I'm seeing from my perspective All the suffering I had to go through for not choosing him, but also why it's good that I didn't. I'm seeing the lies. I'm seeing the truth. They're seeing the truth and the lies. It's it's all necessary. But it's draining all the same. It's draining and painful to see, you know, To see 
you know, a family bond being torn apart and played over about some money, about money. I know we never really had any. Okay, I get it. We never really had real money. You get around people offering you some real money or offering you certain opportunities that you never thought you'd have in your life. And you feel like that's worth risking, you know, what you've had in your life. It's not. It's not. Because, you know, God placed you where he placed you for a reason. He gave you what he gave you for a reason. And maybe that's why, maybe that's what's keeping you away from God because you felt that you deserved better. And maybe that he loved other people more because of what he gave them. But the fact of the matter is, it's not true. It's not true. So... When I think about leaving my family, it's not because I'm weak or I want to give up or I don't love them or that I'm allowing Satan to tempt me away from my family. No, it's because, like, I have to seriously consider that maybe they are not meant to be there. It's sad because it's like, how is that possible when I see, you know, the individual that seems like they are, you know... In this future vision of me without my family, not that they are rooting for me being without my family, but how are you here here now and then? And you ain't you ain't have to sacrifice your family. I see you with your family. You got your family. So why am I supposed to give up on mine? But how can I hold on to a family that don't want to hold on to me? Especially when everybody's saying, if they don't want to be kept, then don't keep them. Let them go no matter who it is. If they're keeping you from God, that's not worth it. They chose a side. They really don't want you to prosper in your relationship with God. You can't sacrifice God for them. Because they're going to fold on you. God never will. So what am I supposed to do then? Because God said don't abandon them either. So what am I supposed to do? I don't know. I'm starting to consider different options. Like maybe don't abandon them forever. You know, maybe get away from them for a while. Until things can cool down and, you know, I can get established. I can learn how to live on my own. I can learn how to live without them. They can learn to appreciate my absence. And then maybe one day we'll link back up again. But all that time lost, God's already told me that I'm going to regret missing that time. But I'm still missing it while I'm here because I can't be around them. What's the point of being here when I can't even be around them? Five minutes. Because I got to deal with, you know, sabotage and attempts Attempts to get me to kill myself for real. Like really sitting up here laughing and bragging about how they about to get me to kill myself. Really sit up here laughing in my face talking about some you about to kill yourself. I'm supposed to be around something like that? I'm supposed to be around that? Well, God want me to be around that. For real. I don't know. Family is tricky, but... You know, I could always move on, go start my own family and, you know, make it true in another way. But (sighs) 
I know the spirit of wisdom and discernment is being exercised correctly because look at this. Look at what I'm going through. As confusing, as hard it is to make a decision, I know the spirit of wisdom and discernment is being exercised because is this true? Is that true? Is this Satan's liar? Is this what God wants? You know? I should have run. I should have abandoned him. I should have left a long time ago because I'm suffering. I'm being tortured. But maybe I'm not supposed to. Then I look at like different things people have done in order to protect their peace of mind. It worked out for them. But if my peace of mind was actually supposed to be protected, then how, of course, did my, you know, the losing my peace of mind lead to the saving of somebody's life? Everything happens for a reason. Everything. Everything. You know, I could have kept my peace of mind, but would that, would that, would this individual still have been saved? Would that still have led to that, to things happening the way that they, they happen? You know, God has shown me no matter what I do or where I go, everything is going to always come be and happen the way that it's supposed to because God is in control. He has the final say, no matter what somebody is planning to do. But does that justify the suffering that you have to go through in the process? Is there anything you can do to minimize or stop it? Of course it is. So why does it feel like I don't have any options available? I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure it's a lot of people who have their opinions maybe don't even believe me. And I feel sad thinking that they might run right into the issue I ran into blindly, you know, not expecting to have to be tortured or have to endure through what I had endured through because the only thing I could think about when I was going through what I was going through was how I would do anything to keep this from happening to somebody else. I said, Lord, this is too much for anybody to bear. I just, I just pray that this never has to happen to anybody else, not even my worst enemy. It's worse than hell. So, even, even if I do move on with my life and let this go, I think that the real torture is the thought that this, this stuff is going on in this world and still can happen to somebody. People think that this is a joke or a game and or think that they're safe because what they chose or the decision that they're making, that had never happened to me because I would have did this. That had never happened to me because I'm this kind of person. That had never happened to me because I never done that. Okay, you know, I ain't arguing with you. I don't know. I don't know if it'll ever happen to you or not. All I know is that I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish it on you in a million years. I don't want it to happen to you. It, this is sad, like, nobody deserves this, you know, but there are reasons to be thankful to God. He showed me from the perspective that he showed me, you know, what things are most important in life forever. Things that maybe I should stay away from forever. Right decisions that were made and wrong decisions that were made. He showed me that in my lifetime. I didn't have to get to hell to figure that out. That's a blessing. The biggest blessing I could ever ask for. I mean, I went through hell, but I ain't had to stay there. 
then, you know, he's given me the opportunity to protect and love family members that maybe needed it a little more than I did. You know, the only reason I could think about how God would let things happen the way that he let them happen is because maybe somebody else wouldn't have been able to do it without me. That's a purpose, you know. It may be part of my purpose that I am here. It's definitely part of my purpose that I am here. Different lives are being saved through me. That's a blessing. That's all you can ask for in this world. That's, you know, to be to be to impact more than just your own life in your lifetime. That's all you can ask for in this world. And in the right way. In a good way. But maybe I'm selfish because I want what I want. I want to be happy. I want to have my faith in God and be free in God forever. And I want my family to stay together. I don't want none of my family to go to hell. Like, I want us all to be okay. It's That's all I want, really. I mean, I don't have to have all the money in the world. I don't have to have, you know, everything, I, you know, I don't have to be spoiled and end up with everything in the world. That's okay. I already didn't. I'm cool with that. I just, I don't want to give, you know, I just want those things. That's all for real, for sure. And I know having my own plans is dangerous because God has his plans. <laughs> but I'm, I don't want to get those things up. I don't want to have to get those things up for real, even when. It seems like I'm playing over things. I'm not taking things as seriously as I could. I don't even want to get those things up. I don't. So I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Some will say, like, the way you sound, you sound like you're going to be good. I know I'm going to be good because I have God, but, you know, man, I see people with, Sometimes the same things I'm saying, if not better, and they it seemed like they have you know gone down that that route or or in or is in living that lifestyle, and I want to ask God, you know, is that motivation, or is that a warning? Is it a warning that I need to be careful with the ambitions that I have, and maybe I need to revise them. You know, try and match them a little bit more with the Bible. Be careful, come out of this life of sin. Or do I need to be motivated that the mindset that I have is I'm in the right, I'm on the right track, I'm in the right direction of having, you know, bigger and greater things in life and not having to let go of God to get it. Not having to let go of being, you know, a child of God. A, a, having a real relationship with him in the midst of me winning in order to get that, you know, in order to win. That everything that's set up against me can fail and will fail as long as I hold on to God and I never give up on him. I can have it all. I don't doubt that. I just wonder if, you know, if that's the right route to go.
if of course it makes everybody around you act the way okay so i woke up from a vision today that you know once again frustrated me it had a lot to do with just you know uh issues with my dad and him choosing his relationship over me a bunch of times and you know when you think the feeling or you're over that and you've forgiven an individual for everything that they've done pertaining to things like that or just anything that they've done to you and God shows you that it's still an issue for you it's always frustrating because you realize how much you really are struggling to get over a lot of things and to like move forward but today I see that the enemy is really triggered you know because I woke up today and every single day that I wake up you know the second I want to open my eyes is so much hard work being put into keeping me sleep and keeping my eyes shut like they don't even want me to wake up in the morning and God has already shown me like five o'clock in the morning is really like the best hours to be woke and praying because I guess that's the witching hour or whatever. And clearly there's a witch after me. But, you know, today I feel like they woke up especially triggered. And the reason why is because I think that, you know, actually it may have something to do with this vision. So, in this vision, it was like, first I was on a private jet. Then I was in this big, like, model home. And not like a model home, but like a home for models. And it was really nice. And, like, I was there, I had a room and all this other stuff. But then I ended up leaving. Then when I left, I came back to, I had come to my dad's house. And he had, a, like, a really nice house. When I was there... I find myself like, you know, I was just, I don't know, like I was getting some clothes or something. I was really, you know, not bothering anybody, but I was there to do something. It was something important. And maybe get clothes or something. Like I was just there for the meantime, but I really was minding my business and it was okay for me to be there. My dad, he was there, and he would, like, you know, check on me, see if there's anything I needed. I talked to him about a few things, and then he went about his day. But then his wife would come, and, like, it's like she goes out of her way to harass and bother me. And I don't know why, you know, She did stuff like that. Like, I really started, I tried my best to try to look into it and see what it was about. I asked God about it. God says jealousy and racism deep down. But it's like, really, though, I'm just like, okay, but I noticed how she personally picked issues with me in particular, you know, as opposed to my brother who's also black and 
of course, you know, she's her, she's really harassing and destroying my dad's whole life. But this, I feel like this really go back to like, and I don't want to make this like a, I don't want to pick and choose, you know, the divisive tactics and, you know, start, you know, enhancing or encouraging any of them. It's just that I really think this go back to the way that white women are jealous of black women. I, I think that it really goes down. It comes down to that because I was just minding my business being who I am. And she would just come and just like have something to say about everything, and which is nothing. You know, I'm here getting some clothes together, and then she's just here harassing me and doing everything that she can to harass me. So it would get to a point where I'm like, okay, you know, I'm just not going to respond. I just won't respond. I won't say anything to her. But she would always double back around to come back and harass me again. And it's like she was trying to provoke a reaction out of me. And that's something that you also notice in, you know, prejudiced white people. That they're always trying to provoke a reaction out of black people so they can somehow play the victim card. As if we are aggressive, angry, or uh, like we just attack. And it's like you're using your white privilege to somehow get away with, you know trying to ruin my day or trying to make me look bad. I don't know why when I'm sitting here doing nothing, somehow it provokes a reaction out of you. So it just shows that, you know, when you're sitting there doing nothing, you still look glorious to white people because you are when you are black. And it's, it's, it's not, I don't want to make it about all white people, but it's like, I, I'm, I get tired of saying not all white people when it's like, for real, for real. I don't know. I think kind of like, yeah, like, it's, it's, I think it might be somewhere deep inside of all white people. I don't know. I don't want to sound stupid, but because it's never all anything. But it's just like I just felt like even the the most, you know, understanding and, you know, just like. I don't even want to say cultured. I hate that word, but just like even the most. Is seemingly accepting white people, you you know, they only go so far with their acceptance. You get them to a certain place where they finally find out who you are and what you're meant to be and who you're destined to be. <laughs> Excuse me. And they don't want to fight so hard for you. The next thing you know, they remember they're white. So I don't, you know, I just don't, I don't know how to feel about that. You know, and then on top of that, even the ones that, you know, it feels like that's not an issue for her. God will show me that, like, you know, still no. Still no. You know, I don't want to sound like I'm racist or anything, but it's just like, I don't know. I feel like the only time white people can truly accept black people is when we don't know who we are. When we know who we are, you know, I mean, by then, it wouldn't matter if they accepted us or not. They wouldn't have a choice, you know. We are supposed to lead all other nations. So when that comes down, when it comes down to that, it w- it really wouldn't matter. So I think that it's just a triggering, you know, it's, it's the triggering realizing it. I think that everybody knows that. And when you really, truly re- sit, about, sit and recognize that an individual is who, even when they seemingly so lost and seemingly so dead, spiritually dead and seemingly so hopeless, it's still a, a, a light that shines somewhere in them that triggers white people. And as, I just I just feel that way because I grew up with them. And, you know, 
I don't know. I don't know. It's it's frustrating. The only time I feel like they're truly, really friendly is when they feel like they have, you know, a up on you. But, you know, I know I've talked about this before. It's not worse than black people are. It's really not, you know, only because they never had a power to be that worse than we are to ourselves. We are horrible. We are horrible to our own selves because when it came down to it, the, you know, she was harassing and everything, but that could have been ignored and put to the side. It was really more so probably deep inside my dad, the hatred that he must have for black women to allow that to continue to go on in his own household to his own daughter. And that's really what's, what the real, you know, weapon was. It really, I mean, she's who she is. But him being with her and the things that he probably likes about her, the things that he, you know, keeps her around for is probably, you know, it's probably like, you know, trauma bonding. It's trauma bonding. Like they have something in common deep inside somewhere. Deep inside of him, he doesn't ever want to see a black woman prosper. Deep inside of him, he hates them. He hates he hates the power and the strength in them. He wants to break it. And she probably hates the power and the strength in black women too. And she wants to break it. And that's really what they have in common. Because there's no way in the world I would ever have a white man around my black son sitting there harassing and trying to demean him and trying to accuse him and trying to make him out to be a villain every second that I am around this individual. Pitting me against him. You got to go. I don't even know why you ever was here to begin with. I don't care I don't care what reason you have. I don't care if you say, I don't want to be lonely or I really love this person or this is the first, this is my first person I've ever felt like it was a soulmate made for me. I don't care. If you are demeaning my child, my family members, anything like that, and they are not, it's not even about them not bothering me. Maybe they had their flaws too, they're not perfect. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I don't care. You know? You want to respect my family because if you don't respect my blood, then you don't respect me. And I don't understand how you can sit up here and disrespect somebody black and I not feel triggered as a black person. Like, is there not something in you that has something against black people? But a black man can overlook, you know, that because of the self-hate, you know, and want to tear down a black woman. That's what I, I feel like it was. I feel like in this vision, God was showing me that the power, the power that I had and the power that I kind of like exhibited the entire time, you know, it was more like the both of them are doing everything in their power to try and tear me down and try to steal that, you know, that light that shines in me and that, that little, that hope that kind of tells you like she's going to be somebody. They did everything that they could to try and, you know, take that away from me or try and get me to forget about it or try and change that fact. Both of them, even though, my dad seemingly wanted to support me or seemingly like he was, you know, on my side a lot of times. He really was probably rooting for it even more because why when I brought things to you or you saw things happening like this, you sat there as if, you know, somehow it turned you on or something when she would harass me like that. Like somehow it it, it helped you, it made you feel better or it somehow validated or vindicated something inside of you to see her tearing down your own daughter. I don't know what that, you know, is. I I remember he told me that his mother beat him senseless growing up and she would, you know, she she really ruined him. That's what he said. And I think that that might be what that is. It stems from his mother. His hatred for black women stems from his mother. 
And that's fine, you know, but you're not about to recreate that cycle inside of myself. I'm not about to raise a black man that I hate, you know. I'm not about to raise a black woman that I hate. I'm not about to continue that cycle and teach that to my children who's going to teach that to their children. It stops here. It stops here. So, you know, I never had any issue with him dating a white woman besides the fact that it seemed like he wanted to somehow feel some sort of gap inside of himself with that, with that fact, just the fact. It's not even the person. It's not even the qualities or characteristics that she possesses that, that you know, actually can build a man up and make a man better. No, it's just the fact that she's a white woman. And that's just sad, you know. I'm a black man, and since I got a white woman, somehow I feel superior. or Somehow I feel like, you know, I can go places with this. or, And it's just sad. You know, but, you know, feeling as if you justify it by saying to yourself, white men hate to see us together, or this is, I'm I'm really, you know, I'm really getting back at all, you know, all the racists when I'm with this white woman and, you know, white women always love black men and all this other stuff, trying to justify with stupid stuff like that. And when it come down to it, you know, she's destroying your whole life. And you okay with that just because you get to justify the fact that you were a white woman. Okay, so yeah, no, you know, stupidity. But it's more than stupidity. It's ignorance, it's self-hate, and it's a hate for our own people. Crabs in a bucket mentality and, you know, continuance of bloodline curses. Genocide is what it is. It's actually genocide. It's sad. So, you know, when God told me that this individual that he placed me on assignment for was contributing to genocide, the first thing I said was, um, I think the first thing I thought was, um, you know, how many people in my life, how many black men in my life have I grown up around, black women, black men, all these other people in my life that have I grown around that have contributed to, to genocide? I don't know if it was you know, intentionally or unintentionally, but they contribute to genocide with their attitudes, with their, you know, um, feeling like white people get them in certain doors that they can't otherwise get in on their own. And even if that is true, so what? Like, why are you glorifying them as if they're better than you? That's all they want. They know that they're not better than you. And so they try and use the things that really mean nothing, you know, worldly things and the way that the world is now compared to how it should be. To somehow get you to forget who you are and get you to switch sides on a, you know, on a fight. You're supposed to be, like, it comes, I feel like, simply, just just to put it, just to put it straight. When it comes down to, you know, the real fight between your race and who you're supposed to be and waking your people up. They can somehow have, like, some sort of, like, power over you. Where you somehow try and justify to yourself, it's not about color that keeps you from fighting the fight that you're supposed to fight. Okay, I understand you want to be accepting of the white people that's not racist. You want to be like, I'm. Not, it's not all white people. I'm not that black person that make, that's really against white people. That's racist and all this other stuff. I understand that. 
I understand you want to be that person, but that is the very argument that is keeping you from doing what's necessary within your own race. And you feel like that's okay. As if like somehow out of, if out of all the black people, if they all go down, they're going to save you. And even if they did, why would you feel like that was okay? All the black people just got flooded, but they saved me. Good for you, you know, but when it came down to it, you know, I don't know why that argument, that small little, you know, fact that it's not all white people who think the same way and not all white people don't, you know, don't, you know, act that way or racist, whatever. Justified you not fighting for your black people, not fighting for your people. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care what you think. I don't care how you feel. You see it. You could say, oh, the world is different. Come outside. Oh, such and such and such. Whatever. Listen. Listen. However you justify it, it won't change the facts. You know, when it come down to us waking up, ain't no white people going to be there. So if you sitting here trying to justify the fact that white people need to be there, you know, or it's not all white people that's going to keep you from doing what's necessary in your fight. Or being there at that meeting, it's like, okay, where are you going to be? Where where do you fit, you know? And I will say that in the process of being awakened by God, you know, finding out that Jesus is black and accepting him truly to my heart for the first time in my life, you know, it was this urge to you know, just write white people off 100%. And the reason why I couldn't do it is because the devil is sneaky. I could say, yeah, this this shows a lot about black people and who we are, and I can wake up. But then devil want to go as far as to say death to all white people. You know, your fight is really about against white people. And your fight is, you know, no white people are in heaven. That's not true. <laughs> I don't know, you know, maybe I'll have to get there to see for sure. How would I know what's really in heaven until I get there? But I highly doubt that God would, you know, make all white people go to hell. I highly doubt it. Not that it's not a possibility when God has shown me that only time I can truly accept Jesus into my heart is when I realized he was black. So maybe that means something. You know, I, I, you know, I brainstormed a couple of those, a couple of, you know, I brainstormed a couple of like, um, just ideas or possibilities, possible outcomes. Maybe because I've heard this so many different times in my life and maybe it's true and I'm I'm just in denial. All white people go to hell. All of them. Because we do serve a forgiving, merciful, gracious God. But he did tell me that, you know, he didn't say all of them go to hell, but it's very rare that they get in. The only way that they are getting into heaven is if they've given their life for black people. And you might think that that's that's nonsense. That's not true. Hell is your heaven, white people. Because you sat here 
and you allowed black people to be treated this way and you allowed white privilege and you allowed you allowed yourself to feel superior when you know that's not the way it's supposed to go. What does the Bible say? And even though we are a curse and it's really our own fault, it doesn't matter. Like he said, unless you're giving your life for black people, you are going to hell. And I've seen hell. White people have slaves in hell. They have homes. So hell really is for white people. Look at this white Jesus. You allowed that. You know Jesus is not white. You're going to hell. You're going to hell. And it's like a lot of us going to be there too. And we're going to be slaves. Your slaves. But that's what I'm saying. We sitting up here thinking that God is not the way, but that's really our only chance. He's really our only chance ever, ever, ever going to be our only chance. I'm sure a lot of black people don't want to hear this. They saying, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, I don't, I don't agree with that. You know, speak for yourself. And it's like, okay, whatever you say, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I just know that when it comes down to it, knowing that Jesus is black made the difference in my life, in my prayer life, in my spiritual life and accepting Jesus Christ truly and knowing who he really is and actually truly believing that he was crucified here for the forgiveness of all of our sins. He was truly sinless. He was truly sent from heaven as the son of God, the Messiah. And, you know, he fulfilled the prophecy in his life, over his life. Truly accepting that made the difference. And I'm sure it's a lot of white people who want to chime in and have their opinions. But it's like everybody's going to hate me if I start telling the real truth. Everybody's going to hate me. So I'm really stuck between a rock and a hard place. Because black people going to help you hate me. They going to help you hate me. Because we don't even want to see ourselves win. So when it comes down to it, you know. When I'm calling out the different things in my dad, I think it's more like me wanting to not have realized these things because it was my dad. Me thinking like, oh, you know, he's under her control and he's, you know, he's like, I don't know, something's going on with him where he can't really see clearly. He really does love me. He really does care. And the thing is, God has even revealed to me in my visions like, yeah, she put witchcraft on him. And yeah, he is under her control. He really is. And are you surprised? But, you know, what can I do besides fight for each and every single last issue in our family and every last curse on our bloodline the same way, showing no partiality? I can't fight harder for you because you're a slave to this white woman. I got to fight, you know, because my family members think it's okay to worship Satan. Bow down to Satan. I got to fight for that just as hard. I got to fight for the fact that, you know, it's it's a, you know, it's a curse on our family that wants to keep the, even the descendants to come underneath Satan, even, whether they choose him or not. Because look at me choosing God, doing everything that I can to fight for him. And I have all these different individuals in my family that rather fight me. Like, no, you don't know what this could do. You don't know what this could mean for us. All you have to do is bow down to Satan. We can have everything. You have nothing. We have nothing. Look around. Look around in our family. We have nothing. None of us are married. All of us are poor. We're suffering generation after generation. We don't even know who we are. 
We're miserable. We're bitter. We hate each other. We hate ourselves. And you want to continue this cycle. What is wrong with you? Wake up. Snap snap out of it. Snap out of it. You talking about this is the slave religion, but you are a slave to your own emotions. Hateful emotions. You don't even get the good ones like love and compassion and care. You get jealousy, anger, hatred, misery, bitterness. That's what you get. And you want to stay like that. And you want to push that down to descendants. I'd rather die here right now. I'd rather die here before I turn 25 like I've always felt like I would. I'd rather die right now and never have kids on this planet than ever see you teach my children a hate I had to grow up with. For real. It started to feel like either, you know, I just die for real, like God take me off this planet. I don't even care if I have to go to hell. I'm going to go to hell anyways if I got to watch my children grow up with the same curses I had to grow up with. Or my family can wake up. They can wake up because this is so much bigger than yourself. I don't care about your own selfish ambitions. Oh, you want to have money. Oh, you want to look successful. Oh, you want to show up to all these people and make and you want to feel like you won. The only time you really winning is when you choose God. And if you do not choose him, you've lost. I don't care what it look like. And I'm tired. I'm really tired because it's not fair. It's not fair. You know, you working overtime. You working so hard to keep me from Breaking these generational curses off of our family. Imagine if you had put that work in for God. Imagine what we'd be. Everything you want in life, you really could have with God. And then it's so much better because there's love. And there is, nobody can ever, no man can ever take that away from you. There's no possibility of ever having to give that back. We all win for real forever. But you'd rather take this temporary happiness because you say you want to, Either you want to flex on somebody, you're selfish, you want to just, you want to, you want it to be you and not somebody else. Or you want to, you know, make sure somebody else lose. You can't see us all win together. Somehow that's validating or it's making you feel better somewhere deep inside of yourself. But you do not understand that we all go into the same grave. We all going to be not in the same hell, but... And we're not all going to the same place, but it just makes me so sad. You know, when I see this, like, we are, you know, we are so lost. And I hate it every single time I have to bring up a conversation about what God has shown me about white people. That I end up in this conversation about us as a people. Because like I said, he showed me all, the, all that this white woman was doing to me to torture me every single day. But he showed me my dad right behind her, supporting her, allowing her to do it. Never saying a word, never doing anything about it. And for what reason is that? You cannot sit up here and tell me that, oh, I didn't know what to do. Because I bet you if it were you, you'd figure a solution out really quick. So when it came down to it, the real issue was... You hate yourself and you hate black women. You hate your people. It's self-hate. And that's what's really keeping us behind. That's what's really keeping us back. Because we really saying to ourselves, I don't want to see us prosper. I hate us. I hate us. I don't want to see us prosper. 
I'd rather see us all go to hell than ever see us all go to heaven. And I don't think people really realize that it's that deep inside of themselves. But you know what? That's okay because how do we, how are we going to sit up here and complain to God about all the things we have to go through on this on this planet? All of the murder, all of the child molestation, all of the racism and slavery and all these unfair things that we talk about. Black people can't never get ahead. White people always got, you know, an extra, you know, white people always get the first choice. <gasps> Excuse me, first choice, first pickings on everything. White people get white privilege. You know, we can't never be left alone. We always being attacked and harassed by everybody. If it's not the government, you know, or whatever, whatever, the teachers, everything. We always get the last of everything. We're supposed to get the first. And you want to sit here and complain about that. But you don't want to do anything about waking yourself up when you have an opportunity to. What can I say? You know, you feel like the way you're going and the route that you're going is going to help you win. You feel like whatever direction that you're choosing, you're going to get somewhere with that. You feel like, you know, as long as I'm winning, I don't care who else wins. As long as I got it, I don't care who else got it. And that's the issue. It has to be a, a group community thing. You got to take the eye out of team. So, you know, I see it a lot. And it's like a lot of times you see people where it's like it feel like, Oh, yeah, we got something in common. We really want to see our, each other win. But then you start seeing if you win it more than them, they don't ever want to help you. You know, sometimes you notice it in yourself. If they win it more than you, you don't really want to help them. And that's what it is. Until we get happy for each other 100%, doing the right things. Because it seems like we're happy for each other when we are bowing down to Satan, happy for each other when we ruining each other. Why do you think that is? You really think that's you controlling you? That's really what you want? But I don't know. Today, I'm just thinking, like, why would God put such a heavy dream on my heart? Why would he put such a heavy burden on my heart, you know? All these other people around me, it's so easy for them to not care about each other. It's so easy for them to not care about us. It's so easy for them to overlook this stuff. But this stuff really plagues my heart every single day. Every single day. I feel like I'm so worried about the future. I got to only think about today because I think about what the future really will consist of. I'm getting older. I'm supposed to get married and have children here and then raise my children in a society that's going to hate them for their blackness, even their own black people. And it's I know it's like, oh, my gosh, we heard this before. It's like, but you still are not doing anything about it. So you're going to keep hearing it because as long as it's true, I'm still going to say it. Somehow you feel like I'm supposed to change that and start lying or something. That's what I'm talking about. I feel like the only reason the only way I can even live here is if I start lying like you. That's all you really want. You attack me every single day because you're saying she's still living in her truth. She's still fighting for the truth. We got to get her to start believing lies. 
She's not believing no lies. We're not going like, to be able to keep her here. We're going to have to kill her. And you think that's you. Now, like I said, God showed me hell. And we being sold off as slaves there. As free as you think you is. As rich as you think you are. You somebody slave in hell. You a slave to white people in hell. And they do whatever they want to do to you. You sit up here and look in history books like, oh my gosh. I can't believe they used to make mothers and sons have sex with each other just to produce more livestock for them. We were considered livestock. I can't believe that they used to rape the black man to get them to submit. I can't believe that they used to, you know, starve us and do all this other stuff to us. And you don't understand that's still happening right now to you. Yeah, right now, as you breathe. As long as you don't know who God is, as long as you are living in sin, this is still happening to you. Satan don't care about you. So if you're not choosing God, you're not choosing yourself. And what you think? It's people out here who really think that they about to get a part of of Satan's kingdom. (laughs) Excuse me. You get to hell and you promised like half of the kingdom. What are you going to do with half of rubble and fire? What are you going to do with that? Like, you're burning, but, you know, somehow you're just happy that you have half of it. Even if it were true, and I'll guarantee you, you're not going to get half of nothing. You're going to get to hell. You're going to burn there forever, for eternity. That's it. You're not even going to care about having half of nothing when you get there. Everybody think this is a joke or a sweet. It's not. Now, I'm sad because it feels like God is saying something he said to me recently. He said, it's okay. Don't worry about it. I got something else for you. And I was really looking at that in a way like, you know, I was never meant to be able to accomplish this. I was never really meant to be able to succeed at this, you know, because all the idiots around me. I'm sorry, but they are stupid. They are just dumb. They are just dumb. How can you sit up here and see all of this that's going on and just sit up here and say to yourself, yes, yes, I'm actually stopping her. I'm actually keeping her from winning. I'm actually keeping her from doing this. And nothing about my fight is selfless because if it was, I'd be where you at. How can you sit up there and be happy for that? Like, it's so clear why we are in the position that we're in because we could repeat the same cycles over and over and over again, feeling like we're actually doing something or making a difference and we're not because we're not trying to. You're selfish. You are selfish. But you know what? That's okay because I realized, like, you know, all the suffering that we go through every single day here, everything that we feel is unfair. When it's just like a cycle, you blame God, then something happens and you blame God and something happens, you know, the cycle. All of that's because of us. And it's the torture that we deserve every single time we feel like any option outside of his will and what he wants for our life is better. We deserve that. We really do. So at first I thought that this, you know, I got something else for you was uh, I knew what it was from the jump. It was a happy ending for me alone and not everybody else that I've been fighting so hard for willing to die about. But I couldn't do that. I couldn't stand that, the thought of that, because I said to myself, you know, 
I knew from the jump that they was like this, and I knew that they was blind and couldn't see what was most important. So I fought hard for them anyways. I don't want that to happen like that. I don't want them to have sabotaged their own selves. Like, logically speaking, if you heard that, you like, what? So they're not actually sabotaging you. They're not actually keeping you from nothing. they only sabotaging themselves at the end of the day. You're going to be okay because God has promised you that. Yeah. Knew that from the jump and still decided to stay and fight for you while you sabotage me thinking you actually sabotaging me and you really only sabotaging you. But that's the irony of it all. You don't get away with what you're doing. You think that you did. Like I stopped you from what you wanted. I stopped you from what you really wanted to do. I stopped you from your ultimate goal and you really only stopped me from saving you. Like, okay. You entitled to that. You entitled to be able to sabotage your own life. You're not entitled to be able to sabotage mine. But that's why you was doing it. Because you thought that you was entitled to sabotage your mind. And that's why you only sabotage your own. You see how that worked? But I'm sure you're not going to stop. Because it's some it's something in you that won't let go of that jealousy and anger. Thinking that's clouding your judgment. Blinding you. Keeping you from seeing that, hold on, every time I do this, I'm never really hurting this individual. I'm really only hurting me and people like me. And even if I was hurting this individual, the only thing I'm really stopping is an opportunity for me and people like me to get ahead and going forward. Everything I've suffered through, everything I've gone through that I hate God for or I hate myself for or I hate this world for, I'm actually just contributing to and perpetuating, re-perpetuating over and over and over again. And you still don't stop. You still like, well, this is a lot better than actually rooting for my people because I think that's corny. Okay, so I've noticed another thing. People who make it to be really big in life, you might have their, your opinions on them. And of course, they sometimes are a lot, a lot of them are very flawed. But one thing's for sure, you are not making it to, that, to a high position in this world without a real fight and a real reason. If you say to yourself, oh, no, I just want to be up here just because I want to be up here. I just want to look good. That's not happening. It's not happening. I promise you that God is going to make sure that it comes down to a real reason. But most likely, if you ever was destined to be there to begin with, it's always been a real reason behind it. God placed that in you from the jump. So it come down to this. You got to have a real fight outside of yourself. Meaning when I get up here, I want to somehow, you know, encourage and you know, show other people that it's possible to make it here. I want to show other people that to believe in your dreams and to keep fighting, you can become somebody no matter no matter the odds, no matter all the odds stacked against you. You have to have a real fight. You have to have a real reason why you're doing it. Sometimes it's a little more specific and more personal to your own, you know, journey and the things you had to overcome but there's no way you making it to that point without it being bigger than yourself promise you 
So everybody who's contributing to keeping you anywhere are usually the ones who never make it anywhere. Because you're so selfish. You're so worried about yourself. You're so worried about only you. But I'm telling you, the person that you're trying to keep from whatever, most likely the reason why they can happen and you can't is because they're more worried about others than themselves. They're not just worried about themselves. They're not selfish. So first things first, if you really feel like it's not fair, that's why I'm, that's why you're fighting so hard and working so so working overtime to keep somebody from having something, you know, will really help you out. Stop thinking about yourself. Then maybe it could be you, because how can you sit up here, point the finger saying that, you know, it's not fair that you get to have this. And that's why I do that. And you put so much time and work so hard to keep somebody from having something. When in reality, the only reason you can't have it is because you too selfish. You wouldn't want someone else to have it. And that's number one. But like I said, the only person you're really sabotaging is you. If God puts a destiny on somebody's life, that's the destiny on their life regardless. And if you don't have one, you need to start looking in the mirror and asking why. If you don't have a similar destiny, because we all have purpose here. So the worst thing you can do is spend your whole life trying to keep somebody from their purpose and their destiny. You know, and never finding yours out. Imagine being on your deathbed when you're like 80-something, 90-something years old, if you make it to that age. And never having found your purpose and destiny here. And that being your biggest regret in life. My biggest regret in life is that I never found out what was my purpose here. I never was showing my destiny. Because you were too busy trying to keep somebody else from theirs. Or you were too busy worried about things that were selfish. That didn't matter. So... I'm sure it's a lot of people who are not taking this serious. Hopefully, I pray one day. You do. Hopefully, I pray one day. You see the importance of what I'm saying. I know I say it a lot, but it's like, hopefully, I pray one day that you see the importance of what I'm saying. Because if you never do, you're going to be that old person on the bed regretting all your ignorant decisions. And if you ain't on, the, on, your, old, on your bed, on your deathbed regretting all the decisions you made, that means you've never learned anything. Not all the decisions you make, but regretting never finding your purpose and destiny if you've never found it. And regretting never having learned from your mistakes if you never did. That means you've never grown or learned anything. And you died stupid. You died ignorant. That's worse than dying regretting what you've done. So, it's sad, but you know, like I said... God told me, it's okay, I have something else for you. And it reminds me of when he said he was about to wipe out all the Israelites because of their idolatry. And Moses pleaded with him and said, you know, no, God, don't do that. God said, no, it's okay. I'm going to make a nation out of your descendants. So he promised Moses that Moses would be okay. But Moses pleaded with him and said, okay, that's great and everything, but please do not kill them all. That's what I feel like when I feel like God is saying that. Because he's saying like, look at them. I'm showing them who I am. Time and time again, I'm choosing them. But they're not choosing me. They're choosing to do everything else they want to do. They feel like they got it. So you know what? I'm going to just let them sabotage themselves. I'm going to let them, you know, I'm going to just wipe them out. That's cool. And you, I'll do something with you. I still got something for you. I don't want that. I don't want that. You know, I do want what he has for me. So if he wiping y'all out, don't think that I'm about to be like, oh, no, wipe me out, too. 
No. If he going to save me, yeah, I'm going to be saved because I'm not stupid. What do you mean? If I was stupid, then I mean, I'd be with you right now trying to sabotage myself. But the thing is, it's like, I still don't want him to wipe y'all out. I still don't want him to do that. And I'm sure you probably think like, whatever, nobody's taking that serious. And I just think that's so funny. I think that's hilarious because it's like, All you can do is think about your own selfish desires and your own selfish wants in life. And the saddest part about that is, you know, what are you getting? What are you getting? What are you getting out of that? Nothing. And even if you do ever end up with something, you see that you suffered a whole entire time. If you're not choosing God, you're suffering. And, you know... I think it's hilarious, you know, when people think that, you know, they're doing something, that they keeping you from something when they really just keeping themselves from something and you wind up with it anyways and you weren't able to save them. But that was the point the whole time. They really sit there and believe in their hearts like, whatever, you should be happy. At least you got it. I don't care. Don't, not even regretting what you did. And it's like. You really think that I didn't consider that the whole time that I was still going to have it and you just was going to not be there? But you was cool with that. You was, okay, you know, this person really don't care for real. This person just like me. Okay. But like I said, you know, it is what it is. You know, God got a way of making sure that he's known. He, he's got a way of showing his power. So I trust that anyways. That's number one. I trust that. But still at the same time, you know, he, he gave the Israelites a choice. He showed up and he showed them who he was, but he gave them a choice. He gave them a choice. Obviously, you're going to choose freedom when you're a slave. What you do with that freedom when you get when you are free keeping promises you made and living a dedicated life to God is necessary. It's very necessary. And if you feel like you're going to be able to do whatever you want, you're going to be cursed again. I don't want to be cursed. I do actually realize the, you know, severity in all of it, even though, of course, you know, looking, looking back in hindsight, like I could fight so hard and you couldn't be able to stop anything. But I'm tired. I'm very tired. And if you want to sabotage yourself, I'm not about to keep trying to kill myself to keep you from doing it. So I guess we'll just see at this point. At this point, we just have to let time tell because it already has. I was young. When I was young, when I was younger, all I know is, you know, I really, I knew all this stuff already, but I really just felt like, you know, do it matter? Is it ever going to matter? I know it matters. I know it matters to God. I know that it's going to make a difference in my life, but will it ever make a difference in the people around me? Because if you only worried about you, 
then I feel like that's easy. That's already done. God already showed me that. If I was just worried about me, if it were just about me, I'd have been done with this. Like, this fight wouldn't be what it is. I wouldn't have this assignment. Like, I would have been done. I been had enough power to cover me. So when it's about other people, that's when it's the real challenge because you have to get people to realize their own worth. And when they too focused on feeling like, you know, certain things that just do not serve them or would dictate their worth, then they'll never know it. And this is so frustrating because it's like people are still laughing and joking and thinking it's a game. And it's like, you are so freaking dumb. You are just stupid. And don't, I don't even want to hear the scripture. You know, you call your brother, you're in danger of hellfire. You call your brother a fool because just like Pastor Geno Jennings said, brother in Christ, you are an idiot. You are stupid. You're just, you're just dumb. You see her, you laugh. You think it's funny. Ha ha ha. I swear, like, it's just, just stupid. And it's sad. It's really sad. You know, I really don't believe that you're really that dumb. I really don't think you're that stupid. You know, it's self-hate. It's ignorance. It's sadness. It's jealousy. It's, you know, fear. It's really fear. But you're supposed to fear God. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I always dreamed of changing the world. I've always dreamed of making a difference here on this planet. And I've always dreamed of doing it with God, 100% righteous and obedient to him. You know, but I can't control other people. I can't force somebody to do nothing. And I don't even want to. I would never want to force you to be there because if you can't see who God is and how great he is, you don't deserve to be there. Who wants to force you to be there? You are not who you think you are. A lot of a lot of the issue come with this is, you know, thinking you more than what you are. The Bible says, let him not ever think that he is more than what he is. That means you are dirt that God breathed life into. And if you're not going to acknowledge God, that means you don't even have life. Spiritually dead. You're just dirt then. So that's sad, you know. But like I said, in the midst of this fight, I realized that, you know, of course, a lot of things God is showing me about white people. But when it comes down to it, if you only feel like it's white people and you too focused on that fight, you ignoring the different enablers that support and, you know, contribute to them having a power or being where they sitting where they're sit or be, sitting where they sit and being able to, you know, do what they're doing. Therefore, you already blind. You got to peel back the layers. The only reason why people able to even treat us the way that they treat us, excuse me, or have the privilege that they have is because in the first place, we don't value each other or ourselves. We're not even doing what we're supposed to be doing. And we think this, you know, irrelevant, you know, just stupid, just the stupid things that we have here matter. We think this stuff matter. Imagine, you know. Imagine sitting somewhere thinking that all you have is everything and, you know, somebody sitting above you or someone or someone, matter of fact, Satan, knowing that all that you have is nothing. 
everything that you would otherwise have, you overlook every day, even when it's offered to you. You don't have you have no clue how blessed, lucky and, you know, how much mercy and grace is being shown in your life every single day that you have ample opportunity to these things and you rather overlook them for the things that you have. Like. Just stupid. Just stupid. No, 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 not stupid. Lost. But it's sad to me. It's sad to me because what can you do? What can you do? You know, I hate to see my own brothers and sisters. And I mean, not just blood brothers and sisters, like my own people. I hate to see us be our biggest obstacles in life. I hate to ever turn into the type of individual that says, oh, well, they not going to change. I got to, you know, I'm just going to get what God has for me. As long as I'm obedient to God and I stay righteous and I stay holy, I'm going to be okay. I hate to become the type of person that stops fighting for things outside of themselves because it becomes worthless. It becomes pointless. And the thing is, you can say what you say about that. But if God, if God decided that you wasn't worth it at one point, even though he changed his mind, he loves us. But if God said, all right, I'm just going to wipe them all out. That's it. If God gave up on you, he's God. He's perfect in all his judgments. Slow to wrath. Slow to wrath. I mean, it took him a long time to get frustrated with you. That right there alone should tell you. You know, but by all means, shoot the messenger. Because like I said, that's just you only feeling like the surface things is what matters. That's you only feeling like, you know, what you see. What what it looks like on the outside, and it's not deeper. It's not a deeper meaning to it. It doesn't go so much further and deeper than that. It's not way more important. You know? I don't see how all these people can, you know, sit around and actually encourage this kind of behavior. God has shown me now, and I, I feel like I knew it the whole time, but God's really showing me, like, when people act like this, when people possess these qualities, what you find is that they are possessed by Satan. And now that I see how Satan really acts and the stuff he does, I realize that they are just, you know, spawns of Satan. I look like Satan laughs at sowing calamity and discord. Satan wants to torture and bully people who want to be good just because they're good. Satan, you know, he hates, he never loves, he does not care no matter what, no matter how much sense it makes. So what? He just gets something out of destroying people. He knew he could never fight God, but he still tried to take the throne. He was thrown out of heaven and blasted down to hell. And he still decides to do more and more and more and more to everybody, knowing that one day he's going to end up in a bottomless pit forever. He knows that that is even the truth. And he still just continues to sow discord and calamity in everybody's life. He has no purpose and no meaning. The only thing he, the only meaning or purpose that Satan has out of it is dragging you down to hell with him. And, you know, somehow it just, it just feels good to destroy people. It feels good to make people suffer. And you're just like that. You are just like your father. 
you have no meaning. You have there's no real intent behind what you do. You know the truth and how it's going to end and you still go that route without no hope for a better future and no hope for an actual real outcome in an actual meaningful direction. And the people who actually do, you hate them just because they actually do. You just like Satan. You're just like him and you're going to end up where he ends up. You're going where he's going. So I just feel bad. You know, I feel bad because I don't know. Our life here is so short, even though it feels like every day is like millions of years. It feels like the days drag by, especially when you're going through seasons like this. It feels like this is been forever. But you look back and you realize time has flew. I'm about to be 25 years old. I look back on my life, it feels like a moment in time. That's what God called it, a moment in time. So, with that being said, I mean, he sent me here on assignment. He said to revise the people, but, you know, he never said if it was actually ever going to be able to be done. He said revise the people. I said, who am I? He said, don't worry about it. Just do what I said and trust that I chose you for a reason. And he also said that, you know, well, I asked, I said, well, what if I'm not good enough? He says, I've chosen you. And I said, but if I'm not, if they're not able to be revised. So pretty much he's saying, if it's, if they're not able to be revised, it's not because of you. I made the right choice. I'm perfect in all my judgments. I know what I did. I'm doing it right. If they're not able to be revised, that's on them. They don't want to be revised. They don't want to change. And I can't imagine sitting up here knowing that this is what God has done for me. God sent, God did all this for me. God considered me. And God, you know was he decided to set something up to save my soul even when I didn't care, when I thought everything was a joke and I'm still going to sit here and laugh? It's not funny. I promise you it's not funny. The only person that is laughing is Satan because he's like, they about to miss their opportunity. The opportunity they don't even deserve. The opportunity that God is already going out his way for. They about to let me ruin that for them again. I got them to this point and now I'm about to keep them here. But by all means, keep laughing. It's funny. It's real funny. No, it's just sad. And I really feel like crying for real. I always feel like crying when I think about it. Because God said he don't know. He said he don't know if he's going to be able to save you. But he also knew that out of all the stuff that you was, I was going to have to see here, out of all the things that's going on here, you don't even deserve saving. You don't. But he's doing that anyways. He's saving you anyways. So... I don't know, man. I don't I don't know. I know I'm not perfect and a lot of times I'm just doing stuff that, you know, is so, you know, irresponsible. I'm not considering like how how I'm being shown by God. But this is a whole nother level. I don't wanna say I'm better than you. I'm just saying that, you know, I wonder like how you could ever had a mindset of 
God showing up in this way. I mean, out of how wrong as I've always been, when he shows up, I listen. I pay attention. There's no way you don't. There's no way you can't. There's no way you ignore him and keep doing what you're doing when you're in his presence. No way. So I'm just trying to understand, like, can you see him? Do you hear him? Or is that just me? I'm, I must be the only person can hear him and see him then. Because it ain't no way you still doing what you're doing. But that being said, you know, I'm going to take responsibility because God chose me because of who I am. So I just have to keep fighting regardless of who you decide to be.